Abolition. Abolition. Uh, it is an honor today uh, to be gathered here and, and to be surrounded uh, in, in the halls and in the chamber by so many uh, who are gathered to celebrate the rich culture and accomplishments of black Americans. Uh, I'm wearing a pin from the Moulin Rouge, the historic uh, establishment in Las Vegas that is just one part of that uh, amazing history. I think it's also important to note that for many of us here today, uh, that history begins on slave ships. The Spanish brought African slaves to St. Augustine, Florida in 1565, and the English ship known as the White Lion initiated the black slave trade in America in 1619 when about 20 Africans were sold on the shores of Virginia. We're not the only ones to face these horrors. This resolution was heard just a couple of days ago on Tribes Day at the legislature, and indigenous people were also enslaved by English colonizers. But it's important to understand that most of the black people in this chamber and in the halls today are descendants of slaves, myself included. Ours is a history of resistance and resilience in the face of generations of trauma so intense that it's hard to truly fathom. And today, we say no more. We say never again. May the passage of this resolution and the unequivocal rejection of slavery and involuntary servitude in this state be one more step forward in a journey towards justice and joy for all. Today, let's make history together. Thanks, Mr. Speaker.
Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 5 Mountain, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parkins. Peace, Max. Uh, peace, my I'm here with the Paul Tucky Abolitionist Center in Central South Carolina, streaming live on Abolition Today with you. Well, continuing with our 2023 New Breed interviews, last week we, retur- we had our returning guests, Jamelia Land and Samuel Nathaniel Brown. This husband-wife dynamic duo are two of the lead organizers for the End Slavery in California Act. Jamelia is the co-director of state operations for the Abolish Slavery National Network and a board member of the March On Foundation. Samuel is the co-founder of the Anti-Violent Safety and Accountability Project, ASAP, and was the original author of the legislation written in his cell while incarcerated with a life sentence. So silence can be destructive in the face of injustice because it can perpetuate injustice by allowing it to continue unchecked. When people remain silent in the face of injustice, they are essentially condoning it and sending a message to the perpetrators that their actions are acceptable. This can embolden the perpetrators and make them more likely to continue their unjust behavior. Furthermore, silence can also lead to the marginalization and silencing of those who are being harmed by the injustice. When people fail to speak up and support those who are being oppressed, they are essentially complicit in the oppression and continue to harm being inflicted on the marginalized group. In short, Silence can be just as destructive as actively participating in the injustice because it allows the injustice to persist and denies justice to those who are suffering. It is therefore crucial for individuals to speak out against injustice and use their voices to advocate for change and support those who are being oppressed. Today, through music, discussion, and truth, we address the sounds of silence on the issue of legalized slavery. And as always, we'll close the program by bringing the voices of the abolitionist ancestors back to life for a new generation. And I neglected to mention that that opening track, you heard Nevada Passing Assembly 23. That was uh, Nevada Assemblyman Howard Watson III. It was Resolution 10. Resolution 10. Thank you. Resolution 10 by Nevada Assemblyman Howard Watts III, and that was followed up by the Staple Singers, Why Am I Treated So Bad? So it's been two weeks since we've been live on the air. So, uh, Max, you want to catch us up on your last two weeks? Um, well, first I, I want to give a shout-out to Nevada. Uh, that was powerful listening to them uh, who passed their bill through the House. They only have to pass the Senate, and then they're on the ballot. So that is powerful. They began their journey in 2021, and it will be finished in 2024 on the ballot for uh, Nevada. 
So shout out to uh, Assemblyman Howard Watts III, uh, who is a sponsor of that bill. And also, I want to, uh, you know, I might surprise you with this one on air, but the opening mm-hmm. introduction that you just read wasn't written by me. It was written by Chat GPT. So it was an artificial intelligence <laughs> that wrote the description of how silence can be destructive in the face of injustice. Isn't that something? That's something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I said, because, you know, weekly, I, I, I got so much to do to put the show together as a producer. Uh, writing up, doing the write-up is one of them. So I said, let me give this thing a, a shot. And it put together this powerful statement, which was true. And I said, okay, right. we'll go with it. Yes. So uh, artificial intelligence is here to stay. Uh, there's nothing that we can do about that. We're going to have to learn how to start using it. There's things about it that I'm not happy with, but there's other things that can help in the work that we're doing now. Uh, as yeah, far that's, as the that's past, amazing. Amen to that. As far as the past uh, two weeks has been concerned, you know, last week we played um, the first episode of Live from the Plantation, which was produced and uh, organized by and hosted by inmates in Alabama and prison in Alabama and Mississippi prisons uh, went out for 23 weeks. And we did that in advance of our new uh, series that will be coming up beginning March 15th, uh, Yusuf. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Yep, that's Tales, correct. Tales, Tales from the Plantation. Uh, with It's a collaboration with Abolition Today, uh, with you representing, as well as with Brother Samuel Nathaniel Brown out of California. So that's awesome to look forward to beginning March 15th. Uh, I think that's – is that a Wednesday? That's a Wednesday, and it's also the the uh, Abolition Today anniversary. Anniversary. Right. Awesome. So, yeah, uh, there we go. Do some mitosis on our anniversary. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and, you know, we've been working hard to get these bills uh, submitted, and I'm real happy to say that so far we have gotten seven bills that have been submitted for the 23 and 24 period that will uh, remove exception clauses from state constitutions or add anti-slavery language to state constitutions. That's huge. 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 Yes. Seven of them. Uh, those seven are California, uh, Louisiana, which is introducing theirs tomorrow. Arkansas got theirs introduced last week. Nevada, of course, New Jersey, New York, and Texas. And in New York, uh, we're having representatives from 13th forward come in on the 19th. They'll be joining us as guests, the team out of New York. So that's what the week has been about. And, you know, I've also been working on a project that, uh, well, we don't have a committee for it, so I'm just kind of working with Janilia on getting it done, but we're organizing a committee, and that's post-election work. So, you know, once we remove these exception clauses, it doesn't end Mm -hmm. the practices of slavery. It just makes it illegal. And now that it's illegal, it has to be challenged in courts. And so we're getting attorneys to work with across the country, as well as primarily in Alabama and in uh, Colorado, who will now challenge these badges and incidents of slavery. Uh, An example would be Governor Kay Ivey out of Alabama, who issued an executive order that basically criminalized organizing a work strike in Alabama. 
So if you're organizing or supporting a work strike in Alabama, you're going to lose all your good time as if you had just committed a murder in that prison. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about that. Uh, right. Speaking of Alabama, right, tomorrow in Alabama they have the Break Every Chain rally, which will be held tomorrow at 9 a.m. at the Alabama State Capitol in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, you can send an email to contact at bothsidesofthewall.com or contact at javonsunifiedcommunity at gmail.com. So I think they I wrote this uh, wrong. It's both contact at bothsidesofthewall.com, contact at javonsunifiedcommunity at Gmail. I don't think it's the at there. So it should just be Jovans. That's J-O-V, like Victor, O-N-S, Unified Community at gmail.com for more information. It's tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. So they also had their both sides of the wall campaign yesterday, but I haven't heard any feedback from that yet as far as the numbers. But I know uh, we had uh, many uh, ASNN community members out at the rally itself. Um, I believe Jamelia Land is going to be your representing tomorrow. And today marks the anniversary of Bloody Sunday, uh, which was a march held in Selma, Alabama in 1965, where 600 people right. were attacked by police on the Edmund Pettus Bridge. Uh, they beat their, them with billy clubs and sprayed them with tear gas. Uh, and today is the anniversary of that. And I believe the president, uh, Joe Biden, is going down here to be a part of it. Last year, when I was there, it was the vice president who was there to be a part of it, uh, where they commemorate just every year. But, you know, right, police, I still remember that. Black people. <laughs> police still beating right. black people, still using it, spraying them with tear gas, especially during the uh, George Floyd uh, incident. We saw that just all over the country. Like, ain't much change. They're still doing the same thing. And for the same reasons, all we want is freedom and equality. And if you dare ask for that, you get beat. Right. <laughs> and in many times, you can also get killed. I came across an article where it said in 2022, police killed a person every day with the exception of 15 days. That's a lot of killings. There was, a, there was at least one police killing every day last year with the exception of 15 days. This is nuts. And this is why we say silence is violence, and we have to break the silence. You've got to speak up about these things, and in particular about legalized slavery. Like every week we, we use the same slogan on the program, you can choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. And so many people right. know that when they get up and have to testify or speak on the issue, they get silent all of a sudden, and they pretend slavery is over along with everybody else. And I don't get it. Uh, because all the things we talk about on this program, whether it's deaths at the hands of policemen or deaths in the prisons or the constitutional violations, all stem from the same thing, that slavery is legal and in practice in the United States today through the 13th Amendment and as many as 25 uh, state constitutions that have followed suit. Uh, we've taken that out of eight constitutions now, uh, so you still have those that are remaining. They still have it. And those that have no language at all practice slavery still as well under the 13th Amendment. 
which is why we're trying to put language into their state constitutions to protect the citizens from the damage being caused by this exception clause of the 13th Amendment. Um, everybody knows, and, and I say that because, for instance, just recently, um, Senator Cory Booker just introduced a package of bills to, to end right. unfair uh, and abusive labor practices in the United States to address the issues that we bring up on this program and throughout the abolitionist movement. They feel like they want to take the control or the decision out of the people's hands where we get to vote on it, a constitutional amendment, and put it into the hands of the legislators where they can just go ahead and keep submitting a bill every year knowing damn well it's not going to pass and nothing right. ever gets solved. Uh, so this appears to be their alternative to the abolitionist movement. They're giving us a nod saying, yes, we know what you're talking about. We're very clear on that, but we feel like we can do this better through legislation uh, rather than going ahead and changing the actual constitution that allows it. Yusuf? Yes, and that comes from uh, booker.senate.gov. He actually, it's, it's entitled, uh, Booker introduces package of bills to end unfair and abusive labor practices in U.S. correctional facilities. And the four acts that he's proposing are the Fair, Fair Wages for Incarcerated Workers Act, Correctional Facilities, Occupational Safety and Health Act, Ensuring Workers Opportunities in Correctional Facilities Act, Combating Workplace Discrimination and Correctional Facilities Act. And just like you said, it all sounds good on paper, but we know how this stuff gets tied up because we've already seen what they've done with bills that we've already proposed where we're trying to end slavery, how they've not – they've blocked it from getting to a vote. They've uh, uh, put in controversial language into the bills to confuse the ballots, you know, so all of these things. So you're right on with that, Max. Yeah, and it's not uh, just this bill where we've heard it. Also in California, that's been part of the opposition's narrative now. Oh, we could do this with legislation uh, by submitting these bills. No, you can't do it that way. It's still going to be in the Constitution, and the Constitution is the law of the land, not your bills, <laughs> you know? Right, exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't supersede the Constitution. Anything that supersedes the Constitution is called what? unconstitutional <laughs> I don't know any other so, word for it yeah so you know it just seems to me like this might be some trickery going on um, and I don't trust it too much but I appreciate the fact that they're giving us a head nod and saying we recognize what you're talking about you should right because you know we here on this program we've been talking about like some of the states that we're dealing with and the number of prisons they have we talked about North Carolina and what was it 57 prisons in North Carolina, which is right. nearly twice as many as they have in California. Recently, I did an interview with Wilkin Brutus from NPR in Florida, and we talked about what's going on there in Florida, and I had to show them the data about just how deeply embedded in the prison industry Florida is. First of all, it's the home base, of course, of, of the GEO Group, which is a global for-profit private prison with uh, generating billions and billions of dollars annually. And then on top of that, they have over 143 facilities statewide, 143. 
California got 34, and they're right. the largest incarcerated. But Florida got 143 facilities statewide, 50 correctional institutions, uh, 16 annexes, mm-hmm. 33 work camps, three reentry centers, 12 FDC-operated mm-hmm. work release centers, 18 private work release centers, and two road prisons, and one forestry camp, and a basic training camp. That's all part of their prison industry in there. And it's a nearly $3 billion price tag on it annually. They've got 80,000 people who are incarcerated and 146,000 who are on active community supervision or probation. Wow. You know, yeah, so you know, Max, I was just recently down in Orlando, you know, and I right. spent the week down there. And one thing that I do anytime I go to a city is I want to first, you know, I start watching the news. And I saw so much stuff going on with DeSantis down there. And, you know, I have, I don't know, maybe about 40 articles, you know, and we're going to do an entire show coming soon to just dedicate it to Florida. But there's one thing that I've really wanted to point out down there. And it's from TampaBay.com, and it says Florida bill would let judges override juries and impose death penalty. Florida could soon be the only state where a judge could override a jury's recommendation for a life sentence and give the death penalty instead under proposed legislation to recraft Florida's capital punishment system. Along with opening the door for judicial override again, the bill proposes doing away with requiring unanimous jury verdicts for a death penalty sentence, lowering the threshold to an 8-4 majority. Alabama, the only state that currently has non-unanimous jury sentencing requirement, has a 10-2 threshold. It abolishes a, a judicial override provision in 2017. So what was the word you just used, Max? Unconstitutional? Didn't uh, yes. Louisiana and Oregon just do away with non-unanimous jury verdicts? And here, they, they, Florida is going to, yeah, go ahead and say, you know what, we want to do it. This is what uh, DeSantis is proposing down there, the, the, the old saying of the, the uh, hang them high judges, that this is what he's trying to create again, where regardless of what the jury says, the judge can go ahead and give the death penalty if he wants to. Yeah, that's all part of that dehumanization process that they just want people to, they want you to think that there's such a thing as garbage people who can be disposed of and deserve to die at the hands of a state who has been killing people since its inception uh, and not always for crimes, but mostly not for crimes. Um, but, you know, it, it's also in line with what's happening here in South Carolina and what's happening in Tennessee where they're pushing to have uh, now uh, firing squads, and we've got even got one politician asking for people to be hanged again, right? By rope from a tree, hangings, right? Like they're literally Dang. asking for this out loud in public. Yeah, to make the taxpayers die. And you know, they still I, got a job, right? Go ahead. Right. I I was just going to say this topic is sort of like the perfect segue to the next track. All right. Uh, That sounds great to me. As a matter of fact, you are right. It is a good segue. Um, Would you want me to introduce it? Sure. Go ahead. Because you had fun with this. This is a max mix. Yep. It's a max mix. I spent a few days putting this together after hearing some of the 
comments that were being said out loud about black people in particular from elected politicians and as well as police officers and for those who are involved in social commentary like um, Dilbert's creator Scott Adams who recently came out with some racist commentary um, but I will talk about it afterwards in any case this is a max mix I put together it's got an instrumental which is an awesome instrumental by Amy Norris where she's performing the sounds of silence with a cello a cello uh, the speakers include Delbert creator Scott Adams, Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, and Kenosha, Wisconsin's Sheriff David Beth. And the song we'll hear at the end is Rhiannon Giddens' Cry No More. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, and today's topic is Breaking the Silence. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. 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 The advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. Just get the fuck away. Wherever you have to go, just get away. So I I think it makes no sense whatsoever as a uh, white citizen of America to try to help black citizens anymore. It doesn't make sense. It's, It's no longer a rational impulse. And so I, I'm going uh, to back off from being helpful to black America because it doesn't seem like it pays off. Like I've been doing it all my life and I've been, the only outcome is I, be, I get called a racist. That's the only outcome. <laughs> it makes no sense to help black Americans if you're white. I know a ton of white people that are as lazy and sorry and and probably worse than black people I know. Abolition. Abolition. And I'm to the point that I think society has to come to a thresh, threshold where there's some people that aren't worth saving. We need to build warehouses to put these people into it and lock them away for the rest of their lives. At some point, we have to get to, to the point that we lock these people up. We, let's put them in jail. Let's, let's stop them from truly at least some of these males going out and getting 10 other women pregnant and having small children. Let's put them away. At some point, we have to stop being politically correct. And I don't care what race, I don't care how old they are. If there's a threshold that they cross, these people have to be warehoused. No recreational time in the jails. We put them away. We put them away for the rest of their lives so that the rest of us can be better. I can't cry no more. 
Then they stole our God. I can't cry no more. And gave us new one. I can't cry no more. Then they stole our beauty. I can't cry no more. The comfort in our skin. I can't cry no more. And then they gave us duty. I can't cry no more. And then they gave us sin. I can't cry no more. And then came generations. I can't cry no more. That helped to build this land. I can't cry no more. The bedrock of the Go off on a rant. Uh, I really don't. All, 
let me say that there is a video for this, and it's very powerful to view this with your own eyes as well as hear it. So check out the video. And let me ask you, what did you think of the overall uh, video, uh, the overall audio presentation itself? Uh, Travel says it's one of my best. Yeah, I would say that as well. I mean, you know, I would say it runs a very, it's like 1A and 1B with the uh, warning to America with Frederick Douglass. They're like 1A and 1B, pick and choose. Yeah, like yeah. This. I, I know music touches the soul. And here on this right. program, we want to make sure that we touch more than just your mind and your logic. We want you to feel this. And usually I, I try to do that using the words of the people themselves who are doing these things, these evil deeds and saying these terrible things. For instance, the the uh, creator of Dilbert, the cartoon which is syndicated across all across America, um, Scott right. Abbott, Adam, he's, when he says he's going to back off from helping black people, does not mean what he's saying it means. What he means is I am literally going to go out of my way to not help black people. So if it's something that helps white people and black people, I'm not going to do it because it helps black people. This is the type of racism that we face almost all the time. We purposely trying to pretend we don't exist and exclude us from life. And you're saying to us that, you feel this way because a uh, some group did a study that showed that half of black America doesn't agree with white people. We ain't never agreed with the majority of white people from the moment y'all brought us in here to slavery all the way through the oppressions up to the legalized slavery we're dealing with now. We still don't agree right. with the majority that is out there trying to literally commit genocide and slavery on us. And that's a problem for you because what? And then what do you say? It doesn't pay off. What do you want? You want a medal? You want a cookie? You want one of our <laughs> sisters to come over there and rub your shoulders and say thank you in your ear and whisper sweet nothings to you? What the hell do you want? What is the payoff that you've been looking to get all along and never got, and because you never got it, suddenly now you feel like, you know, screw all of y'all. All black people everywhere, just screw them all. What, what is it? So, yeah. And then you heard Marjorie Taylor Greene. Talking about how black people are lazy and sorry. And isn't that the same narrative they've been putting forth since the birth of a nation and before the film Birth of a Nation, how black people are so lazy and sorry? Isn't that what Disney put out throughout the whole industry? Black people are lazy and sorry, just sitting there with a straw in their mouth and the big lips hanging out, eating watermelon. Isn't that what you've been doing to us forever? You know, you are no different than the colonizers who came before you. You're saying the same damn things. And then, you know, the the icing on the cake, the the evil icing on the cake was to listen to the sheriff. And on the video, you'll see that he's in full uh, police guard as a sheriff in Wisconsin, explaining how we need to warehouse people, mass warehouse people, who don't fit the criteria that he himself has put forth and just put us away right. for life. And we don't get no kind of uh, breaks in jail. We won't have any good times. We don't get to go out, whatever. He just wants us to be gone for life. He don't care how old you are. You could be a three-year-old. You don't fit the criteria, in pr- prison for life. You could be a 90-year-old, same thing, in prison for life. This is from an right. acting sheriff in full garb talking about a freaking genocide and slavery openly. And here is the final conclusion of it all. 
of those three, not a single one of them have lost their job. They are still employed, and that is because of the silence. No, there's not enough people who are saying no to this, who have uh, what we're doing right here, showing how this is as evil as it possibly gets and leads to genocide and slavery, supports genocide and slavery. There's not enough of us out there doing it. They still collect a paycheck, and at least two of those three are collecting a paycheck that we are paying for. We are paying these right. people to call for our own debts. That sums it up right there. We're paying for we're paying for it. We're paying for we're it paying out of our own time. And we can't cry no more. We we ran out of tears. The only thing left for us right. to do now is fight back. And we can't fight it alone. Don't listen to these demons as they tell you these things. We need everybody on board. This is not just a black issue. This is a human rights issue. These are crimes against humanity. It just happens to be targeting primarily black people. But when we're gone, right. you're next. Yeah. What did, uh, how does it go? First they came for the Jews, but I wasn't a Jew. How does the yes. poem go? I can't recall it offhand, but they run down the whole list. And then... Yes. Whoever is left, they coming for you too. They're coming for you next. So yeah, it's it's become quite the problem, especially when it comes to slavery and human trafficking. Is as if they can't fix up their lips to say the word. We've seen it even in the legislation when we're discussing this. The legislators will often fixate on the second part of the Thirteenth Amendment that says involuntary servitude, and they act like the slavery part wasn't there, as if it doesn't exist because it's too much for their sensibilities. They don't want to uh, believe, whether it's factually true or not, that America is literally still practicing slavery openly and legally. They just don't want to admit to it. So they swerve over and say, well, let's go to the next part, involuntary servitude, because that sounds less of a crime against humanity than slavery, and we don't have slavery, right? Even though it's right in their faces. I recently read an article where I an attorney, a constitutional attorney, was trying to show how the Roe versus Wade decision is a violation of the 13th Amendment, saying that the 13th Amendment abolished slavery, and because of that, you cannot force a woman to give birth because that would be involuntary servitude. But he was saying all this as if he didn't just he didn't read the 13th Amendment and see the exception right. clause. So are you saying that once you get into prison as a woman, then they can make you do that? Is is that what you're saying? And that part is okay? It, it's just, That's what he in, indirectly said. Yeah. He it's, indirectly what Martin, said it. What did Martin call it? Conscientious stupidity and sincere ignorance? <laughs> right. Right. You see? That's exactly what he called it. That's the worst thing. Um. We will take a few calls. Stupidity. We will be taking a few calls throughout the show tonight. So if you want to join in with the conversation, the number is 515-605-9814. Remember to press 1 on your keypad so that we know you have a question or a comment. Uh, but we'll continue on the topic of today, which is breaking the silence. Um, and... I just wish more people would speak up, especially in those who already have the ear of 
the the country. Like right now, we're trying to get a lot of athletes to start making some statements and helping the states that they're in to get their bills passed. Um, we're also hoping that at some point uh, the prison abolitionist movement, which seems to be everywhere, will recognize what we're trying to achieve here and uh, put it into their conversations. They they often forget it completely. They act like right. nobody just changed seven constitutions. <laughs> like, like that is so epic. We have literally changed seven state constitutions. We have also introduced joint federal resol- resolutions to create a 28th Amendment. And they're like, well, it's just Tuesday. <laughs> it's another Tuesday. I don't know what happened. If they only knew how just the amount of work that had to go into that and just how monumental being able to accomplish that is. Because it's history. People, people have lost their freedom and their life in this fight that we've been in. Uh, we're yesterday we celebrated the 13th anniversary of the March 4th for Freedom campaign. Um, And that was the first nationally organized protest against legalized slavery since the emancipation 13 years ago. Um, And we've come so far since then, that 13 years, uh, abolishing slavery, the 77 states. Uh, Right now we have uh, 13 states that are doing the same, in addition to the ones we've already uh, finished with. We've got seven of them that have legislation. This is just epic uh, on a level that we have not seen in this country before. And if you're ignoring it and you're pretending it don't exist and pretending the problem that created it doesn't exist, you are part of the freaking problem. For sure. For sure. You're definitely right about that. You know, you know, you pull, do pull back to this. Go ahead, right? Because, yeah, because I want to think about this uh, Sheriff David Beth, and we're talking Kenosha, Wisconsin. And for many people, as soon as they hear Kenosha, they're going to think of uh, this, Jacob Blake. this murderer. Now, yeah, Jacob Blake, but also uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. You know, just right. you know that that jumps right off the map, and so it feeds right into what's or you can see what fed uh, Kyle Rittenhouse's mentality. When you when you start having this mentality in this area of saying, you know, that these people need to be removed from society, you know, and tortured. I think in another clip he was talking about them being tortured as well. You know, when you're talking about locking them up and uh, giving them no recreation, and that probably is going to come with no food because they barely feed anyone in prison to begin with. And he wasn't mentioning crimes either. He was talking about having babies. You know, he wasn't talking about people who are committing crimes. Because I think we played it a while ago. It was another clip of him saying something very similar. And he mentioned a whole litany of things, and it wasn't dealing with people committing crimes. So it was just whatever they consider uh how a person should be living their life if they're not living in according to that, then they need to be removed from society. And so that's why you could see someone wanting to grab a gun and go shoot at people because that's the mentality that they have. Silence 
in the face of evil is evil itself. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. And that's a quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And it's true. Um, just as Martin Luther King Jr. said, in the end, we will not remember the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Silence of our and friends. If, and if you're a friend, you say that you you know you love everybody equally. You're colorblind, then you should be on point with us right now about this issue because slavery is real. We have 25% of the world's not even 25, 24% of the world's population. Uh, but we got uh, the majority of the uh, world's prison population. We have more black men who are behind bars in the United States than there are in the top five populated African nations combined. And we're not an African nation, and yet we have more black men in prison than they do combined. Right now, the right. entire system is unjust from the beginning to the end, it is literally a pipeline. It's a trap. It's set up to capture us and to put us in prison so that it will enrich others. Many of these states and counties would not exist without the benefits of their prison industries that generate so much funds and so many jobs and so many perks for them to enjoy on the backs of people who are being criminalized. They're not criminals. They're being criminalized and demonized to the point where you think of us as human garbage, not worthy of your attention, uh, not worth the effort to fight on our behalf when you see us being murdered in the street, when you see our children being abused, when you see our families being torn apart and broken up, not in 1850, in 2023. It's shameful. It is really crazy. At the end of your days, you're not going to be able to take anything that, that you have gained with you. You know what's going to matter two minutes after you're gone? As a matter of fact, let's let Al Sharpton explain that to let us. Al, let Al tell it to them. <laughs> Al Sharpton, what happens two minutes after you are gone, followed by Lupe Fiasco's words I never said? You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. I can tell you something, and it's very important you remember this. Everybody needs to answer the call of their life, otherwise your life has no meaning. I tell people everywhere I go, the hardest job of a black preacher is to preach the funeral of an irrelevant Negro. That's a hard job. They roll the body down the aisle, lay it out in front of the pulpit. Family sit up on the first row crying and carrying on. And we supposed to get up and hallucinate a life for you you never lived. I mean, most folks shouldn't even have a funeral, Howard. Most folks should go straight from the mall to the cemetery. Because there ain't nothing we could say. You bought you a nice house, we'll put it on sale by Friday. You got you a nice car, we'll drive all over Virginia in your car. Never tell nobody it's yours. The only thing that will matter two minutes after you gone 
is what you've done for more than yourself. What did you stand for? What was your purpose? And that's what you need to ask yourself every day. Am I fighting the wrong fight? What am I here for?
all the violence Fear is such a weak emotion, that's why I despise it We scared of almost everything, afraid to even tell the truth So scared of what you think of me, I'm scared of even telling you Sometimes I'm like the only person I feel safe to tell it to I'm locked inside a cell in me, I know that there's a gel in you Consider this your belly now, so take a breath and hell a few My screams is finally getting free, my thoughts is finally yelling down Abolition. Abolition. Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Barthes and Yusuf Hassan. And there you have it, Al Sharpton explaining to you what happens two minutes after you are gone. And that was followed by Lupe Fiasco's word I never said. <laughs> you know, you know, I have my beef with Sharpton in a lot of situations, but he was spot on right there. He was spot on right there. Like, what what are you leaving behind? What's your legacy? Or are you just going to be, what did he call him, an irrelevant Negro? Yes. <laughs> but it makes so much sense. You know, there were parts that were very funny, but they're also very deep at the same time. You know, many people just live for themselves. They're not thinking about humanity as a whole. You know, what yeah. What are you going to do? You're sitting around being silent about things that are going on or just naysayers. Nothing's going to say nothing's going to happen or they just want to throw up the latest hashtag and that's it. That's the, that's the degree of their uh, their their uh, activism. Or as you know, Brother Kamal would use Kamal Imani would normally say he called him an armchair revolutionary, you know, in his famous poem. I um, do want to take a moment to correct my statistics. I said 25% of the popul- world population. We have 4% of the world population and 25% of its prisoners. Of the prisoners. One in eight mm-hmm. black men who are incarcerated worldwide are incarcerated right here in the United States. It's just outrageous. And that's just it was staggering. Any, that's staggering to think of that. Staggering. If it was happening to anybody else, everybody would be crying foul right now. Right. But apparently, right. like Dilbert's creator said, Scott Adams, we are beneath notice. So we're no longer in the Rolodex. They don't give a damn. They're not going to do anything to help us. Why? Because some angry Negroes called him a racist, and now he's done with us. You know? <laughs> Right. But, you know, if they were calling them a racist, at least they were relevant because they were speaking up about what you were doing and what you were saying, which you showed to the whole world. Um, and you can't take back words you never said. The song is so on point. If you have never spoke up about anything, if your whole life just revolves around you taking vacations, taking pictures with your family while you're out and enjoying life to the fullest, and you're doing nothing for nobody other than yourself, then what do we say about you? You loved life. That was it. <laughs> but it was only your life mm-hmm. you loved. <laughs> it wasn't somebody else's life you loved. It was just yours. You got to speak up. You got to speak out. And you can't do it once. 
It's got to be a part of who you are. Whenever this thing raises its face to show us it's evil, you've got to be there to say, no, I stand against this. This person is so wrong. This is evil. This needs to end. You got these Christians out here talking about how things have become so demonic. Well, what's more demonic than, than slavery and, and, and involuntary servitude and human trafficking? I was talking with a man, Mark Hughes, last night. And, you know, he's been a guest here multiple times. He's the lead organizer behind Vermont's efforts to finally remove their exception clause. And they had three of them. They were the first one to introduce an exception clause. And I was like, right. you know, Mark, after, now that you've got the victory, you guys should be addressing the human trafficking that's going on in Vermont, where if you commit a crime in Vermont, they send you to a private prison over in Mississippi. Now, you didn't commit a crime in Mississippi, but that's where they're sending you. Why? Because the private right. prison owns the facility over in Mississippi, and they want the body. And so Vermont is sending people to Mississippi prisons uh, which are hell holes on earth for violations that they have done in the state of uh, Vermont. And that's not uncommon. Places like Nevada are a hub for human trafficking. They build these right. for-profit properties, and in Nevada, they have contracts that guarantee 100% occupancy for 25 years on at least three of their prisons there. It's even so foul that at one point, when they built a prison called uh, Eloy, Eloy Prison Eloy. in Nevada, yeah, it only housed Hawaiians. So you're thousands of miles away across the ocean. <laughs> you commit a crime, and you end up in Nevada in a prison built just for Hawaiians. How is that even possible or legal? And what about the problems it creates with your families who you're stolen from now? You know, you've been kidnapped from them. How do they get to see you, to visit you? The prisons have come up with answers to that. We're going to sell you the images of your kidnapped family members through video chats. So you can video chat with them as long as you got $15 for 10 minutes or $25 for 10 minutes, you can video chat with them. They exploit us at every single turn. Every single time. You know, and on the, su on the subject of Hawaii, you know, I met a, a gentleman from Hawaii while I was down in Orlando, and, you know, we got into, you know, a deep conversation, you know, and he started telling me about the Master and Servant Act of 1850, which was which basically uh, laid out how slavery was being practiced in Hawaii. Now, mind you, Hawaii didn't become a state or part of the union until 1959, but their slavery goes back hundreds of years dealing with uh, macadamia nuts and pineapples, you know, the dole. Remember Bob Dole, his family was heavy in that traffic. And they have an area called Kanaka Maui, which was where all of the slave farms were. And now to this day, you know, only native uh, Hawaiians can go there, not people that, you know, they, they may have been born there or something like that, but people that are native that go back hundreds of years. And it's just a long history of what went on there. And we're definitely going to have to highlight that you know, because we've only touched on the trafficking when it comes to the prisons, but there's been there's such a huge history of slavery in Hawaii out there. You know, people think of it as just being a tropical paradise, but they don't know the things that go on out there because, you know, people are just living their lives. I got a couple of stories I want to share 
that are relevant right now. The first one is we're going to go back to Florida again. Um, and Senator uh, Blasey Ingoglia, uh, I'm probably screwing his name up, but he deserves it. <laughs> um, he is sponsoring... He is sponsoring what they're calling the Ultimate Cancel Act, which will eliminate all political parties that once used slavery as part of its platform. Uh, while Democratic Party isn't mentioned in the bill, Ingoglia said that, his ta- that they are his target. Uh, for years now, he says, leftist activists have been trying to cancel people and companies for things they have said or done in the past. This includes the removal of statues and memorials and the renaming of buildings. He said using this standard, it would be hypocritical not to cancel the Democratic Party itself for the same reason. And the measure is SB 1248. It would switch Democratic Party voters to no party voters or give them the option of choosing another party. Uh, They say that uh, let me scroll down here again a little bit more. I want to read this quote he said. Um, according to the yeah, according to Ignolia's bill, the division of elections would decertify any political party that has previously advocated for or been in support of slavery or involuntary servitude. Now I don't maybe he don't get it, but that covers his party too. Because didn't yeah. Florida just defeat two damn bills to end slavery and involuntary servitude in the state? Didn't they just do that? that was L- literally party, about right? two weeks ago. Two <laughs> weeks ago. I had to go on NPR and talk about it. They were like, Max, what happened? Why did Florida fail twice? And I had to break it down for them. And here's this guy, uh, Ignolia, who now is saying we should cancel the Democratic Party because of their – uh, support for and advocation for slavery and, hum- and human trafficking and involuntary servitude, while it's California, I mean, it's uh, Florida itself that has done the same damn thing just in the past couple of weeks. So what are we going to do now, Mr. Ignolia? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, man. It's just crazy. Like, they just don't get it. But we have stirred up the pot so well and so much that they have to talk about it. And they're just right. putting their foots in their mouths as they talk about it like, like they were Chris Rock where they only had done half the research and really don't know the ass from holding the ground. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, I say that because Chris Rock just was on some video where he was talking about how, you know, slavery never ended until 1975 or when they got rid of the Jim Crow laws. I'm like, what, what are you talking about, what? man? Yeah. Like this guy, sometimes, I don't even know what to say about Chris Rock, but that's what he was saying on the video, that slavery continued through his lifetime all the way up to 1975 when they finally got rid of the Jim Crow laws. The same Jim Crow laws they're trying to bring back right now in Mississippi. They don't know. They don't know. That 13th Amendment is not in their head. They have no idea. And apparently Chris Rock is one of those people that have no idea. He's like the attorney who can read the 13th Amendment, call himself a constitutional lawyer, and then pretend that he just didn't read except for prisoners duly convicted. Like it wasn't there. Like he just skipped right over it. There was no purpose for them, and it's not being acknowledged at all. But many are acknowledging, and that's why they're being forced to speak out on these issues. Uh, The other story I want to talk about came from – uh, one of the brothers that's uh, in the Alabama prison, um, Mikhail, 
and he asked me to get this news out about what's happening with the bills that are being introduced in Alabama. Um, mm-hmm. They have this, the ACLU has a second annual state house to prison pipeline report, right? And it says that of a, uh, 148 bills of the 873 bills that were introduced by the Alabama legislator in 2022 were increased penalties for individual behavior, further expansion of the reach of law enforcement, or measures related to state prisons that would add to the state's already dire prison crisis. See, Alabama's in a position now where they've got $400 million that they took from the COVID relief funds in order to build new prisons. We've shown on this program how they're taunting these as or, or, or wanting these as economic development programs. They're going to create jobs. They're going to have revenue from it, and they're so happy about it. But what do they need to do most of all for these prisons? they got to fill them with people. Right. They have no intention right. of letting the people that are already in the prisons out. There's no intention of that. And so they have to criminalize people in order to fill up these brand-new facilities that they're creating with the $400 million that is being sent out. The point, the report also pointed to a lack of cohesive prison reform measures by the legislator and critiques the budget increase of $100 million. Alabama Direction of Corrections received this financial year. A $100 million budget increase. And what is it about again? Is it about crime? Is it really about crime? Or is it about that $100 million? That four hundred million, those water right. bills. Because you know, one one prison can probably have a water bill of like a hundred thousand dollars a month. How much you think the electric bill is? How much you think all of the different uh, organizations and companies that uh, profit off people in prison and use them as uh, as captured uh, consumer bases? How much money do you think they're gonna make? So the hundred million dollars is just the tip of the iceberg with this, Yusuf. And then they make it next to impossible to get out because they have it's uh ninety ninety percent of people who are parole eligible are being denied there. Denied. Ninety percent being denied. I see we got a couple of callers. Let's go ahead and open up the lines for our first one. 4288, you are here with us on Abolition Today. Could you tell us your name, where you're calling from? I believe that's Abraham. Yes, it's Abraham uh, <laughs> calling from North Carolina. All right. Abraham is our Tell- lead organizer in North Carolina, uh, uh, along with Yusuf Hassan, uh, that are removing the exception clause there. Uh, no exceptions, nc.org. Abraham? So, as you guys were talking about this, um, you know, this was a really strong and, and, and powerful uh, discussion. But, you know, something else I read earlier today also kind of reflects on what we're doing. So we are in a country where there needs to be a lot of desperate change, you know, for not just for the stuff we're doing, which is to repeal the, the exceptions clause, but also because, uh, also in other forms as well with criminal justice and other things. And there was a letter Thomas Jefferson wrote to James Madison. I don't know if you guys know this. This was like in Paris, 1780-something, forgot the date. 
but he actually proposed to James Madison whilst writing in Paris. He wanted the Constitution of the U.S. to be repealed every uh, 19 years, and a new generation or so would have to redraft it from scratch. And I'm just thinking to myself, imagine if that was in, in the Constitution. Imagine if one of the biggest founding biggest founding fathers critical to our structure of the Constitution, imagine if that was in there, what, what things would be like today. Will we still have this exceptions clause in the 13th Amendment? Will we still have all these major issues, problems, and reforms going on? And we still have this country where there's a lot of division, a lot of hatred for a lot of different people. We have the things that are making us more divided than united. And that just kind of that, that was just kind of reflecting on me as I was listening to your guys' podcast. But I want to know what your guys' thoughts on that were. Um, it sounds like a good idea, but the only problem, or not the only problem, but the immediate problem that I would see is it would be a case of majority rule. You already know that they do everything they can to disenfranchise us or minorities from the voting process. In addition to that, we still only make up a small percentage of the total population. And so if we have any constitutional concerns with that small population that is being disenfranchised, it would be very hard to get our demands as part of the overall constitutional sessions. Uh, so that would be a, a concern for me. Yeah, and we're not monolithic. We all don't think the same. Right. We so all think even, the same. That would even, even, right, that would decrease the numbers more. It's a problem Abraham? we see in many things. Oh, yeah, no, I was listening. Uh, yeah, that, that's just kind of a... Uh, a good argument kind of counter to it because, you know, a lot of other countries, they have an easier amendment process with their constitutions. I mean, like since 2003, I think Germany has had 50 constitutional amendments. France has had 23 since 1990s. Out of the thousands of bills introduced for ours, only 27 actually to this day have been amended in our 247 years. And mind you, 10 of them came at once, which were the Bill of Rights. And then two can't right. each other out. So realistically, it would be 27 minus 10, which would be 17. And then you would have two, the 18th and the 21st Amendment, which ended prohibition. Realistically, we only had an amendment basically 15 times throughout this entire country. And um, it's just kind of surprising to me that other countries, uh, they have enhanced their quality of life, not just for people residing civilly, but you know, even convicts and, and people who have committed very serious crimes who deserve to be held accountable for those crimes, they don't take away all of their rights. They don't dehumanize them the way we do. You know, we are a culture focused on vengeance, on, on punishment, on, on guns. And again, I'm not saying that's a good or bad thing. All I'm saying is it's, it's a huge cultural issue. And I, I think all these other countries that have made these reforms don't have the culture we have had. So maybe it might right. be more of a cultural issue that's going to take a change to this because you can't really change the document itself if you don't change the culture's attitude towards interpreting that document. Um, yes. And, and again, there has been so many times we have tried to do that, but it hasn't worked. It's very difficult to amend our Constitution. Um, but I, I was just thinking you know, the other day, why are 
like think about this. Germany 60 years ago, if you were a prisoner in Germany 60 years ago, you wouldn't want to go anywhere near a German prison. You know, you, you had uh, people who were victims of the Holocaust being tortured in gas chambers, more cruel, I would say, than what happened in the U.S. And in the span of like one generation or two generations, Germany has completely revamped its entire system and made it to a point where they have a very low recidivism rate. They don't have a lot of punitive consequences. Yes, there are some exceptions, which I think we should be working on. But for the most part, if you look at that, the timeline that countries like Germany have made it so far in prison and criminal justice reform to the way the U.S. has in the same time, they've gotten better, we've gotten worse. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be a cultural issue, if it's going to be more of a legal issue. But then again, I am also concerned that even if we do amend this and make it to where legally by law it is changed, would the culture in itself want to enforce that? That's a different question that's itself. Really, other than that, I, I rest. We're working on that post-election stuff uh, as we speak uh, to end the practices. Right. And I, in my interview with NPR, I talked as well about the prisons outside of the United States, like in Norway and uh, in Germany and other European nations. And he says, you know, how is it that they focus on? Uh, rehabilitation while we're more focused on punishment. And I'm like, they don't have the racial issues that we have on the right. level that we have. Them exactly what they I was going to say. With them. So the majority of it's the people the they're trying to help are people who look just like them. You know, here it's a whole different story. Are you willing to help black people? Because look at 13% of the population, not even 13%, 6% of the population, adult black males, make up nearly 40% of the prison population. They don't have to deal with that over there. And so we have to do something different. I see we have another caller. I want to go ahead and bring him in. I think this might be Cole. Uh, 8762, you're on Abolition Today? That's Corinne. Oh, that's Corinne. Hi, hey, you, sir. Hi. You know, I don't hey, remember numbers well. Oh, well, I couldn't believe them. Um... I was shocked, and that just shook me because, you know, I always say, memento mori, remember you must die. And, you know, it is tough. It definitely is. I know what it's like to walk into a room with my people rolling their eyes. But, you know, you will sleep better at night, and I'm just so glad that this um, this program exists. And I also wanted to say, you know, Vermont Public Radio has been talking a lot about women incarcerated. We are more, Brazil has about 30,000 women that are incarcerated. Mexico has about 10,000 women that are incarcerated. And the United States have over 200,000 women that are incarcerated. And the state of Vermont currently, and I'm glad that you spoke to Mark, because a lot of us are working hard to deal with Vermont and their issues that are happening in Vermont. You know, they're trying to build a new women's prison. And currently we only have one women prison in the whole entire state, and only 95 women are incarcerated in that prison. Yet they're not saying that they're getting a lot of women that are being criminally charged and being have to go to prison. They're just saying we want to build a new prison. Well, Vermont is going through a housing crisis. On the 31st, thousands of Vermonters will be homeless, and yet they want to spend our money on building a women's prison. And I hear women, I hear mothers, I hear young girls who could have the ability to go to college, I hear future wives. I mean, that's who they're taking away from our society. And I'm glad that, you know, this message is real. You know, it's not easy. <laughs> it's not easy to stick up for what is right, but you will sleep better at night because, remember, the wicked have no rest. 
And I'm that when my um, Al Sharpton's, I'm gonna have to listen to that again when I yeah, because that's just it's, it's so real. You know, memento more. Remember, you must die, and you all have to also stand in front of a supreme judge. And what will you say? And will he say, "Well done"? That's what I think about. So that's all I had to say. I my Sundays are for Harvard and abolition today. Each each time, I'm just like, wow. <laughs> so, anyways, that's all. Be well. Thank you. Thanks, yeah, Thank she you. touched Thank on a really good point. Yeah, she touched on a really good point because the women get lost in the conversation a lot of times when it comes to prison, you know, and, you know, we've, we've highlighted a lot of things that go on in the prisons with uh, Edna Mahan prison in New Jersey, where that ended up having to be shut down because of the numerous rapes and other violations on the women there. And then Tutwiler prison, you know, where they had, you know, the, the rapes from the, the guards amongst those incarcerated was so high that they had to start handing out uh, condoms to keep the women from getting pregnant, and then they were having the the uh, forced abortions, and there was the adoption clinic right near the prison. So it's, it's atrocious, right? right. <laughs> it's just atrocious that of what goes on in the women's prisons, and you know, there's not a lot of uh, people speaking about it in there. Like she said, there's only, what was it, 10,000 in Brazil, women incarcerated, and we've got over 20,000 right. here in the United States. The Ten times right. what they got in Brazil. And Brazil has never shown themselves to be uh, unashamed of their prison systems. Uh, their prison systems are some of the worst in the world, and yet they don't target women like we do. Uh, not only do we target women, we target children, and we target the homeless. Uh, we created entire courts with prosecutors and judges and lawyers and right. attorneys just to prosecute the homeless and then put right. them in the prisons and the jails uh, rather than help them in their crises that they're having. We say we're pro-life, well, and yet there's a life we throw away right there. And I know why. Yeah. It's because the prison industrial complex views it like this. If you're homeless and you're on the street, not only are you an eyesore for the community, you're also not contributing anything. You're, you're taking from the community. But if we put you in a prison cell or a jail cell, you instantly start generating twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 a year, depending on where we put you at. And they know this. And so they exploit these uh, fragile and uh, communities who have been often subject to these types of oppressions throughout history. I see we got a couple right. more, uh, another caller in here. You said uh, you want to take one more before we go into our next music mix? Yeah, for sure. So uh, 2776, you are on Abolition Today with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hashan. Welcome to the show. State your name and where you're calling from and state your question or your comment. Hey, this is Clarence from San Antonio, Texas. Yusuf That's who I Max. thought it was, yes. Y'all are having a wonderful show. I'm enjoying it. And uh, I think we need, I think we need a people's union because we're not represented anywhere. We need to come together and get what we want, get what we need. Is there is there something like that? What was that phrase um, you used? You say the people's. What was the word? Union. People's, people's union. union. Okay. 
I always thought that was what the Constitution was supposed to be doing. It's our social but contract. But not working for us. We need to do something else. It's not working because those who swear to defend the Constitution with their life there it is. are liars. There it is. They're oath breakers. Right. They're, they're not only oath breakers. They're the ones break that are, are literally violating the Constitution. Like in California, right. we have uh, the um, software now that can scan license plates in direct violation of the Fourth Amendment. You're out here searching the streets, checking people's license face, reading up on them, and so on and so forth. So you're hunting them down in this way. Uh, I was here in South Carolina at one time. I remember I had to uh, address a gas station that was allowing the police to just park in their gas station and scan the cars of the people that were coming in, scan the license plates. They just parked there, scan the license plates. It's a violation of the Fourth Amendment, and you're the one supposed to be protecting it for us, (laughs) you know? So that is our problem. It's not that the Constitution is so bad. It's the people who swore an oath to defend it are liars and oath breakers. So, so Max, what if we what if we came together on the seven principles of Ma'at, the truth, justice, righteousness, order, balance, harmony, and reciprocity, and got a, a union that went after those principles, those eternal principles? Well, I'm not here to try to advocate for any religion uh, at all, and specifically. It's not a religion. Um, it's a code of conduct. It's, it's a way yes, of praying. You know, there's a code of conduct in Christianity called the Ten, Ten Commandments. We have that, too. And I'm that's, sure there's one in, in, in uh, the Muslim religions, and there's one that the Buddhists have. Uh, but much of this is just about basic human rights violations and constitutional violations. Now, if you want to organize a people's union, I don't think it want to exist, I would support you on that. Go for it, however you want to organize it. And the more people you get involved who are abolitionists, I'm very happy. So thank you very much, brother. Um, we are going to go into our next music break. Uh, and when we come out on the other side, we're going to take a few more calls if anybody wants to come, uh, comment. Uh, this next one is Martin Luther King Jr.'s A Time to Break the Silence. And it's going to be followed by AK with Silence is Violence. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. And today the theme is Breaking the Silence. We'll be right back after this. Abolition, Abolition. Today. We are always on the verge of being mesmerized by uncertainty. But we must move on. Some of us who have already begun to break the silence of the night have found that the calling to speak is often a vocation of agony. But we must speak. We must speak with all the humility that is appropriate to our limited vision. But we must speak. We must rejoice as well, for surely this is the first time in our nation's history that a significant number of its religious leaders have chosen to move beyond the prophesying of smooth patriotism to the high grounds of a firm dissent based upon the mandates of conscience and the reading of history. Perhaps a new spirit is rising among us. 
Yeah, I need a second to reflect on what I'm seeing in the news. I see weapons intercepting thoughts of people wearing blue. Clearly not, though. Hatred in their faces premeditated. We got phones recording moments proving some law enforcers are outlaws. I say some, not every cop abusing power. But look from out of perspectives, I'm biasing and think about it. The way it looks is more corruption than rebuilding. So much killing got me filling up with feelings. I'm being silly because I'm afraid to say it wrong. But fuck it, this ain't about me. This about the people they got laying down, pleading, begging to breathe, pressing their knees against their necks. Even the devil sees it and contemplates therapy, yes. That's why they see marching in these streets, screaming names of all the people that's not wrongfully deceased. That should never be this common after arms of the police. Don't tell me y'all lives matter, all your arguments are weak. Tell me how you would feel if you got pulled over and Mr. 12. Gets about his car, he approaching and screaming loud. Roll the fucking windows down. If you don't, then you know it's blow. You beat the side mirror, he closing guns already out. What to do? I don't have any clue. Never had to fit a man that wears a badge to shoot. Shit is sad, but it's true we need compassion. We do no more victims, let the past be the last thing we have to lose I just wanna get away from the past Thinking about a life where the hate don't last Feel like people scared of moving forward so attached So what they know is wrong and some of us do get a badge I don't wanna stay more, I know they be wrong Feel like this been going on for way too long Of course we gon' be fired up, we tired of Seeing people have to fight hell, we got enough for yeah Let me tell you what happened to me last night. I was with a few homies and had a drink around 9. At 11.30, I was trying to sleep. Said bye to the guys and their parents. I'm sober so I could drive. And the whip now, heading home, bumping unreleased shit. Good vibes on the highway, I'm feeling free. Then boom, see the lights, red and blue all over me. Shit, something ain't right, but I pull off and now he creeping. He at my window, shining a light up in my face. Had aggression in his tone before I even said a thing. He said, where you coming from and tell me how much did you drink? I told the truth, I said a beer out of soda. Cut from a keg and he said bullshit Exit the vehicle and let's talk I complied and I'm sitting on the hood of my car Young dude probably trying to make a name as a cop I understand the game but I couldn't believe it Said oh, he takes a pen out of his pocket And told me look at the cat Austin don't take your eyes off and I'm talking to me in my head He started moving and I'm glued to it I know that I passed He puts the pen away and said I want you to take a few steps Go heel to toe, count them out Nine forward and back This on 287 so this truck and shit flying past And now I'm flawless so I turn around and do nine back I see my I caught his behind it, now seven more behind his. Now, I got all these pigs around me, felt like I was on a farm. Shoulders back and chest out, I could tell they trying to look strong. One comes over, turns me around, after grabbing my arms. Slaps the custom, does a search and finds nothing because they wrong. So they left me in cuffs, even though I did nothing. Now he walks me to his car, and I'm like, nah, bro. A little shaky in my legs, I was nervous, I ain't faking. Started reading my Mirandas like Cosgrove. You under arrest for DWI. I said, huh? He said, son, don't make me have to say it twice. Then it hit me at this point, I ain't even been breathalyzed. I'm in the car and he start driving, bumping M the whole ride. He was blasting it. Pull up to the station and I'm mad as shit. What's happening? Brings me to my cell and then he slammed the shit. My anger is through the fucking roof, my dude. Imagine if you sober and get pulled over and this is where it lands you at. Talking to me through the cell, pressing me to tell him that. I said more than I did, but the truth they wasn't having it. Want me to admit it? I ain't did cause they harassing me. In two hours, the breathalyzer set up and they passed me it. Deep breaths, the fresh air, I exhale and waited. The results are printed. He stands there and reads it. He mad, I can't wait, cause he has to say it 0.00, bitch, that's what I've been saying, I told you Now I'm free to go, the homie Jordy picked me up Shit, I'm on my way home and now my mind is going nuts Moment to reflect, my thoughts were all to openly discuss But what I ask myself is valid though, so let me open up What if I was black? 
What would have went differently? Tears, I'm holding them back. Cause I done told the cops the truth from the jump and they still harass. But then I think of all the videos I seen and now I have a first-hand experience that they would probably see and laugh. What they go through day to day is not comparable what happened to me. And it's evident, it's true. We all got access to see the Twitter videos. They never show on actual TV. Hug the ones you love, express it while you can. Know that no one is above. We are humans at the end. Different backgrounds is a blessing. Teach each other what we can. If you listening, I love you and forever I'll be here. I just want to get away from the past. Thinking about a life where the hate don't last. Feel like people scared of moving forward, so attached. So what they know is wrong, some of us will get a bad. I don't want to say more, I know that'd be wrong. Feel like this been going on for way too long. Of course we gon' be fired up, we tired of seeing people have to fight for help. We've got enough for you. Welcome back to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. You just heard Martin Luther King, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., A Time to Break Silence, and that was accompanied by AK, Silence and Violence. And that clip is actually from when Martin Luther King spoke at Riverside Baptist Church uh, April 4th, 1967 in New York City. And, you know, it was a, it was a, you know, a nice speech that he gave and he was breaking down the reasons why he had to stop being silent. He talked about how the atrocities that young black men were going through in the cities and then they're being sent off to the Vietnam War to fight and get uh, a fight for the same country that put them down. You know, and there's this one section in there, if you could give me a little leeway, Max, I want to read this real quick. Uh, I just had it. Gee. Can you go, Max, and I'll I'll jump right back in once I find it, because I just had my spot and then I lost my spot. Okay. Uh, Let me give a quick shout-out to the governor of Minnesota, Tim Walsh, who just Mm -hmm. signed File 28, which restores the right to vote to convicted felons who complete their term of incarceration. And according to the governor's office, 55,000 people who previously were deprived of voting rights can now register to vote. The most significant expansion of that right in Minnesota in half a century. That's 55,000 people who were paying taxes uh, and could not even vote for the for people in their elections. And, you know, there's 11 states that still do that. They deprive felons of their voting rights indefinitely for some crimes. And that comes from the National Conference of State Legislators. It just shows how this disenfranchisement allows them to remove our voices from participating in the very system that we pay to keep. Yeah, okay. So I found what I wanted to read real quick. So... His third reason, he says, my third reason moves to an even deeper level of awareness, for it grows out of my experience in the ghettos of the North over the last three years, especially the last three summers. If I've walked among the desperate, rejected, and angry young men, I've told them that Molotov cocktails and rifles would not solve their problems. 
I've tried to offer them my deepest compassion while maintaining my conviction that social change comes most meaningfully through nonviolent action. But they ask, and rightly so, what about Vietnam? They ask if our own nation wasn't using massive doses of violence to solve its problems to bring about the changes it wanted. Their questions hit home, and I knew that I could never again raise my voice against the violence of the oppressed in the ghettos without having first spoken clearly to the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today, my own government. For the sake of those boys, for the sake of this government, for the sake of the hundreds of thousands trembling under our violence, I cannot be silent. And I thought that was so powerful hearing that, you know, as to what made him finally start breaking his silence. And he started hearing what the people were telling him, like, look, you talking about being nonviolent, but they bringing all this violence against us and the rest of the world. It's not working. <laughs> you know, and that's why he said, okay, I'm going to shut up about that, and I'm going to start speaking in support of what they're doing. And we know that there's the famous quote of his where he says that, uh, uh, what is it, riots are the language of the oppressed? Did I say it correctly, Max? I can't think of it offhand. I believe so. A riot is the voice of the unheard. You know what causes riots? Clarity. Like this. Since 2010, when we launched Mm -hmm. the March 4th for Freedom campaign to highlight legalized modern-day slavery, till now, the police have killed 14,300 people, including two-year-old children. 14,300 people killed by police in this country since we launched that campaign in 2010. And that's not counting the deaths and murders in prisons or detention centers or jails or juvenile centers. That's just the police. We talked about Germany, right? Germany uh, hasn't killed that many people in its history by its police, let alone in one year. Well, since World War II, let's say it like that. (laughs) So, yeah, clarity creates a riot. The thing that causes the uprising is far worse than uprising. You know, I'm sitting there wondering why you're not answering me. I didn't realize I muted myself. (laughs) Oh, okay. Can you say that number one more time, Max? Since we launched the campaign, the March 4th for Freedom campaign, national effort in 2010, police have killed over 14,300 people, including children as young as two years old. Put that into perspective. Madison Square Garden holds 20,000 people. Yes. So it's almost enough to fill Madison Square Garden. You know, uh, Yusuf, we was talking before that we might have to kill a puppy, right? And for those Mm -hmm. listening, we say we kill puppies. It means that some of the production work that has been done in advance, we just leave it out of the program in order to accommodate. But this is one of those times where I think we do have time and it may fit. Exactly. 
because we're talking about Let's facts. get it in. We've been dropping, right. We've been dropping the facts, right? And we're not, right. these are not opinions that we're telling you about. We're telling you the numbers. Here it is. This is what's going on. And I've got a great piece from Levert the Basement talking about mm-hmm. facts versus feelings. And it'll be followed by Mr. F.A.B. in a song called It's All Slavery. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org. We're going to go into this next track, and we'll be right back after this. Abolition Abolition. Today. Hey, good morning. You said, I don't mean this in a harmful way at all, but I feel like just because something has a racist root does not mean that the one thing is racist. Well, young man, in a conversation about facts and truth, your opinions and feelings are feckless. They have no merit. Because we are talking about what is and what isn't, not about what you feel, think, or believe. Okay? Because your feelings, your thoughts, and your beliefs, and a dollar twenty-five will get you a soda from the soda machine. That's how valuable your thoughts, opinions, and feelings are in a conversation about facts. So come here real quick. Let's have a conversation. In gardening, there's a thing called grafting, where you take a part of a plant and you graft it onto the rootstock or another part of another plant. Now, this happens a lot with plants that are susceptible to diseases. What they do is they take a part of the plant that maybe is producing fruit, and it has great fruit on it, but it's susceptible to disease, and they graft it onto the rootstock of another plant that is immune to those diseases. That rootstock then prevents the entire plant from getting sick. It keeps it healthy, while the top of the plant still continues to produce the juicy, sweet fruit that you so desire. This is the purpose of a rootstock, because whatever is grafted onto the rootstock will either share in its immunities or its susceptibility. And Western civilization as we know it has been grafted onto the rootstock of racism. You see, when racism is built into the institution, it emerges as the collective action of its entire population. That means anything growing on the rootstock of racism is itself inherently racist. That means capitalism is inherently racist. How did these wealthy nations build their wealth? They built it through slave labor on stolen lands of the people they committed genocide against so they could steal their land. That goes for any ism, racism, sexism, ableism. If an ism is built into the institution, it emerges as the collective action of its entire population. If your rootstock is an ism, then the entire tree produces that ism. You see what I'm saying? So how do you rid an institution of its ism? You pull it up by the root. Here are weeds growing in my garden. If I want them gone, I have to do more than pull it up by the grass because it doesn't do anything. The root's still in the ground, so the problem still persists. If I want to get rid of the weed, I have to pull it up by its roots because if I don't, the problem will persist. You have to get rid of the root if you want to get rid of the problem. In short, anything rooted in racism is inherently racist. Our Father, who art in heaven, heaven. 
At three sixes, summon the devil, well, can you bless me with three sevens? I love God, but I refuse to put my trust in a reverend or a priest or a bishop that drunk drives, that touch little boys, altar boys and altar lies. And when that child grows and confesses, then that preacher got the nerve to act surprised. The painted picture, the wrong words to a perfect scripture. The grass grew, the explanation for why the serpent bit you. Personification of all my feelings and said I ain't working with you. Truth serum, guess that's why they drunk driving, drinking liquor. The small things appear bigger. When you put small things in front of a reality-based mirror. When that boy from the slums realized that he could scare a nigga just by pulling the trigger. So he robbed somebody to let his dough grow. A cardinal sent in the ghetto to no-no. The gun, the bullet, the man that pulled it. It's all slavery. It's all slavery. Religion and politics is bullshit. It's all slavery. It's all slavery, no matter how you look at it, man, it's all slavery. No matter what you say about it, man, it's all slavery. Money, politics, and religion, it's all the same to me, it's all slavery. Guns don't kill people, stupid people with guns do. What do you say to a mother that lost her son too? Gun violence, cold thing, man, her son's too. Weapons of mass destruction is ignorance, you dumb fool. The NRA get richer, every day a youngster can't get a job, but he can show, get a K. City council want more cops, but they just like black ops. They patrol black spots and shoot out the black box. Every school I went to growing up, then closed down. Only schools open now is on the other side of town. Parents can't afford bus fares to bust their kids round. And gas is too high, so guess what now? The prison pipeline forms just a part of the plan. To incarcerate another young black man. Cause he don't go to school, he on the block. Better chances of going to jail or getting killed by a black male. Gun, the bullet, the man that pulled it. It's all slavery. It's all slavery. Religion and politics is bullshit. It's all slavery. It's all slavery. No matter how you look at it, man, it's all slavery. No matter what you say about it, man, it's all slavery. Money, politics, and religion. It's all the same to me. It's all slavery. Then when he lets that stuff you talk to slave masters really work. Cause nowadays it's just working much faster. Our great great grandparents worked on them pastors. And it's sad to see us kill each other and making our fathers bastards. If I was from the future and could talk to a slave master, I'd say I'm not here to shoot ya. And nor need to salute ya. To butter my people, fertilize these plantations. I'm just here to tell you that it's still working through incarceration. Slaves turn to inmates. Whips and shackles from being on the plantation to being in jails, whipped and shackles. The offspring of the struggle, the story that put black through from cotton picking to tobacco. Look where we at, dude. Yep, we pick cotton for a living. Now we go to Northland Rack and pick out cotton, true religion. So much for progression, praying to the sky but can't even afford a blessing. So then you wonder why I'm stressing. You wonder why I'm worried and I'm mad and we destined. They say the struggle will continue. Well, if this is life, what's next on the menu? Abolition. Welcome back to Abolition Today. AbolitionToday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. And you just heard Levert the Baseman, and that was followed by Mr. F.A.B. It's all slavery. And Levert broke it down. He, he made it clear. You know, when you want to get rid of an ill, and this ill is racism, you have to go to the root. And we know, we've talked about it, timeless 
timeless, timeless times here on the show where we've shown how it's rooted in the 13th Amendment. It's rooted right there. And the track, Max, uh, it's all slavery. You know, hearing the young brother's frustration, I could hear it in his lyrics, you know, and he even made it clear, you know, that he made the connection. You know, this is a young brother. He's about 20, 21 years old, and he's made the connection that it's all slavery. It all all ties back to slavery. And your feelings and opinions don't mean nothing. Right. When we're telling you, and we can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that slavery is legal. We are even verified by the company Verified, where they did a story on us just a couple of months ago. Remember, we played it on air right. here. We investigated our claim and said, you know, they are verified. There is forms of slavery in the United States that are legal right now. It's not an opinion. We don't need another show that says. Is this legalized slavery with a question mark at the end? This is legalized slavery, period, right there. Mm-hmm. Work from the foundation, the strong foundation. Don't keep questioning it now. Now is the time to speak up a truth that is uh, verified and right in your face. Right. We've given you all the facts. Sister Sharon Smith said, many know and remain silent because they profit from the suffering of others. That is very true. That's true. That's very true. We've got about five minutes left, Yusuf, uh, to uh, do what we got to do, including thanking our sponsors and stuff like that. Uh, I did want to share something, though. So uh, there's a poem by Langston Hughes that I want to read really quick. Let me pull it up here. Go for it. Silence. Silence by Langston Hughes. I catch the pattern of your silence before you speak. I do not need to hear a word. In your silence, every tone I see is heard. By not speaking, well, that was the end of the poem, but by not speaking, you have said plenty. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, the ultimate tragedy is not the oppression and cruelty by the bad people, but the silence mm-hmm. over by the good people. How can you stand silent while slavery and genocide occurs right in front of your face and you acting like you don't see it? You see? We can end it right there. <laughs> Those are very mm-hmm. powerful words by two great orators. You know, <laughs> what can I add to the end of that? They made it clear right there. We just report on the truth that we see, we're seeing it with our eyes. Everyone sees it. Everyone sees it. It's just there are some that are okay with it because it doesn't directly affect them or they greatly benefit from it, as Sharon just said. It's, it's so that makes so it clear. It's so pervasive. It's so part of every system that we're involved in in this country right. that we're like fish in water who don't know what air feels like until they get out of it. And then suddenly it's a big surprise and it was there all along that you were surrounded by this water. Right. 
And I always think back to that episode of Live from the Plantation where the Caucasian woman came in and she said her son was doing time for drug possession three years. And she said, I did not know it was slavery until prison guards murdered my son. Then she realized it was slavery. Word. Um, Then she realized That's right. That was Sandy out of Alabama. Her son was murdered in Alabama prison. Um, Quick shout out. Next week, we are going to have Pat Gailey join us. Pat Gailey is a lead organizer for our Kentucky efforts in the Abolish Slavery National Network, and that's Abolish Slavery Kentucky on social media. She's also an author who has written to some extent about complexity theory, chaos theory, uh, and and those Mm -hmm. types of – and that's something I actually use here in the abolitionist movement. So we're going to have a conversation next week titled The Physics of Abolition. It's going to be a must-hear. And then the week after that, the week after that, on the 19th, we'll be joined by the activists leading the fight in New York to introduce legislation that will end slavery and involuntary servitude from uh, 13th forward. So looking forward to that on the 19th. So the next two weeks, we've got some powerful conversations ahead of us. And with that being said, I'm going to pass it back to you so you can thank our sponsors and such. Yusuf, uh, appreciate all our For calls, sure. all our listening. Peace. Peace, brother. Uh, definitely thank uh, Corinne and Clarence, and I feel as though we had a third caller. I don't know. Maybe I'm just imagining, but maybe we did. If if we did, thank you for calling in as well. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors and partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, the I'm Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, SAMA Urge, that's Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Abolish Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash abolition today. And also our Facebook page, Abolition Today, for all the news, information, and music you hear on this program. Abolition Today is available on all major podcast platforms. Also remember to join the movement at abolishslavery.us to become a part of the solution. You can also text END the exception, that's one word, in the exception to 52886 and follow the prompts. This will send a signed petition on your behalf to your congressional reps in support of the proposed 28th Amendment to repeal and replace the exception clause to the 13th Amendment. Going into our bridging the gap, we have a really good one. This We always have a really good one, but tonight we have Tribal Rain, also known as Mrs. Max Parthis. She will be reading Lucy Stanton's A Plea for the Oppressed. And that will be followed by Eden Inspiration by Sound of or Eden Inspiration's Sound of Freedom featuring Lissy Ladigan and Alton Jean. We'll be back on Sunday, March twelfth, God willing, with another masterclass on slavery abolition. So until next week, think about abolition today. Peace and blessings be upon you all. Peace. Abolition. 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 Death breathes upon the flower and is gone. Now thou canst feel for the slave mother, who is bent with the same interest over her child, whose heart is entwined around it even more firmly than thine own around thine. For to her 
It is the only ray of joy in a dreary world. She returns weary and sick at the heart from the labors of the fields. The child's beaming smile of welcome half banishes the misery of her lot. Would she not die for it? Ye who knows the depths of a mother's love, answer. Hark, strange footsteps are near her dwelling. The door is thrown rudely open. Her master says, there's the woman. She comprehends it all. She is sold. From her trembling lips escape the words, my child. She throws herself at the feet of those merciless men and pleads permission to keep her babe. But in vain. What is she more than any other slave that she should be permitted this favor? They are separated. Sister, have you ever had a kind and loving brother? How often would he lay aside his book to relieve you from some difficulty? How how have you hung upon the words of wisdom that he has uttered? How earnestly have you studied that you might stand his companion, his equal? You saw him suddenly stricken by the destroyer, and oh, how your heart ached. There was a slave girl who had a brother kind and noble as your own. He had scarcely any advantages, yet stealthily would he draw an old volume from his pocket and through the long night would pour over its contents. His soul thirsted for knowledge. He yearned for freedom, but free soil was far away. That sister might not go, he stayed with her. They say that slaves do not feel for or love each other. I fear that there are few brothers with a pale face who would have stood that test. For her, he tamed the fire in his eyes, toiled for that which profited him not, and labored so industriously that the overseer had no apology for applying the lash to his back. Time passed on. That brother stood in his manhood's prime as tenderly kind and as dearly loved as ever. That sister was insulted. The lash was applied to her quivering back. Her brother rushed to save her. He tore her away from the fastenings which bound her to the whipping post. He held her on his arm. She was safe. She looked up, encountered the ferocious glaze of the overseers, heard the report of a pistol, and felt the heart's blood of a brother gushing over her. But we draw the veil. Mother, sister, by thy own deep sorrow of heart, by the sympathy of thy woman's nature, plead for the downtrodden of thy own, of every land, and still the principles of love, of common brotherhood in the nursery, in the social circle. Let these be the prayer of thy life. Christians, You whose souls are filled with love for your fellow man, whose prayer to the Lord is, oh, that I might see the salvation among the children of men. Does the battle wax warm? Dost thou faint with the burden and heat of the day? Yet a little longer, the arm of the Lord is mighty to save those who trust in him. Truth 
and right must prevail. The bondsman shall go free. Look to the future. Hark, the shout of joy gushes from the heart of earth's freed millions. It rushes upward. The angel on heaven's outward battlements catch the sound on the golden lyres and send it trilling through the echoing arches of the upper world. How sweet, how majestic. From those starry isles float these deep, inspiring sounds of the oceans of space. Softened and mellowed, they reach earth, filling the soul of harmony and breathing of God, of love, and of universal freedom. The darkness has to pass. The light has come at last. And we will take our stand with open hearts and willing hands. And we will see freedom for all. Tell these prison walls to fall. We'll respond and hear their call. Oh, oh, oh. And we will not stop till we see every precious one of these. Rescue from the slavery. Oh, 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 and we will not stop 
If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over the limit by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.